So here we are, the final Sunday in October 2020. Now I know for many of us, we kind of feel like the end of 2020 can't come soon enough, uh, but it still seems absurd how quickly time is flying by. And not only are we at the end of October, we are at the end of our Red Letter Challenge journey. Uh, this time that we journey together at the red letters of Jesus as a church and as a community. Uh, and I'm so thankful to those who shared brief testimonies of kind of what Red Letter Challenge meant to them, what they learned from it, what they got out of it. Uh, I really hope that maybe you weren't kind of, you didn't share a testimony, uh, but hopefully by seeing a few and listening to it, you've realized, hey, this is something I can share. Uh, and if you want to, I would encourage you, go ahead and do it. Tell friends, tell family, share this journey with others. The theme of today and kind of that focus of giving testimonies has really been around celebration. Uh, we as people love to celebrate. We celebrate milestones all through life. You know, we celebrate births and we celebrate birthdays. I was having a chat with Jennifer in the office the other day, uh, and she kind of spoke about a book she's reading, and it's a South African book, and she wanted to know what they meant when somebody said they had met at a 21st, uh, and I kind of was, what, what do you mean? I mean, it, it's a 21st birthday, uh, and I discovered that, well, actually, in some countries like South Africa, 21st birthday celebrations are these huge events where people hire out venues, they get dressed, uh, you know, almost in ball gown kind of uh, dress up, and they celebrate. Apparently, they don't do that everywhere. Uh, but then again, other cultures celebrate other birth milestones and other coming of age things. But we, we all do it. doesn't matter what stage or where, we all celebrate. We're wired to celebrate together. Uh, not only do we celebrate births and birthdays, but we, we celebrate marriages. We celebrate uh, big events in people's lives. We, we might even celebrate things like graduation, uh, you know, as people graduate out of university. And, and we celebrate everything within that. Uh, even in the middle of COVID, even in the middle of shutdowns and in the middle of kind of things being closed, uh, you know, I, I kind of look back over the last couple of months and think about my own children's birthdays and some of their friends' birthdays. And sure enough, they didn't have these great big birthday parties. Uh, one of my daughter's friends had a drive-by birthday where we kind of put up on the garage door a great big happy birthday with all sorts of things. And they drove past for us to wave and yay, happy birthday. Because we have to celebrate. We're wired to celebrate. We want to celebrate it. Basically, any excuse to get together, maybe to drink a glass of wine and laugh with friends or whatever the case might be, you know, people will find an excuse and celebrate. And so today, we're celebrating the end of the Red Letter Challenge that we've just journeyed together. And when I say we're celebrating the end, we're not celebrating that we're glad it's over, <laughs> not at all. We're celebrating the fact that we've been able to really just spend time looking at those red letters of Jesus, looking at the words of Christ and putting them into practice in our own lives. That question has been kind of the theme throughout this journey of, can you imagine what it would look like if disciples of Jesus Christ took the words of Jesus Christ seriously and then put them into practice? 
You know, Jesus himself, we began this journey with his words where he reminded us that, you know, the wise builder is the builder that hears the words of Jesus and then puts them into practice. Jesus' brother James echoes that thought when he says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Go and put them into practice. And so over the the course of these 40 days of journeying through, we had those five themes that kind of guided and directed us. And it began with being, of simply being with Jesus, understanding that any doing, anything that kind of flows out, flows out of our being with Jesus. And then our second week of diving into forgiving and what does it mean to be truly and fully forgiven? And not only are we forgiven, but we forgive those who've wronged us or sinned against us. And then we went into the week of serving. And and I just loved kind of in that week of serving, looking at the challenges and seeing what some of you did through that week as you served community, as you served neighbors, as you served friends. And then we went into the week of giving. And and of course, when we talk about giving so often, it's almost a little difficult to talk about because people kind of think, well, the church just wants my money or, or it's mine. And I, you know, I, I've worked hard for this. And I was blown away at those of you who kind of responded by saying, hey, actually, yes, everything I have comes from God. And, and God doesn't kind of want me to give begrudgingly, but God gives me and God invites me into this place of being able to give to bless others. And then we finished off finally with the week of going. And my prayer as we kind of finished off that week of going and as maybe some of your groups will finish off in the course of this week as well is not to see it as this burden, but to see it as this joyful gift that God has blessed us and God has given to us and he invites us now to go and to share and to tell the world. And, and that's kind of part of why we share our testimonies. That's a part of going. It's putting Jesus' words into practice and it's sharing with the world what Christ has done for us and in us and ultimately through us. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You'll take those red letters and those red words in the Bible, my words, and and not kind of be burdened by them, but see them as the gift of life that they really are as we put them into practice. And so today, as we sort of celebrate that milestone of ending, as I said earlier, it's it's not the end of it, and we can kind of check it off and ignore it and forget about it, but rather it's a sense of, well, we've done this chapter, but it's invited us in, and hopefully it's challenged and encouraged us to keep on doing as we go, to keep on walking in obedience to the words of Jesus. And today we celebrate. You know, when I talk about celebration... When I read through scripture, I kind of think to myself, we celebrate because God has commanded us to celebrate. Celebration is God's idea. We didn't think it up. We didn't dream it up. God is a God who celebrates and he invites us and indeed he commands us to celebrate. Celebration, I think, is going to be one of the defining characteristics of the kingdom of God. And perhaps you and I need to learn to celebrate more. I think sometimes where maybe we've gone wrong with this idea of celebration is we've made celebration this thing centered around ourselves. It's it's a reward centered around us instead of a regular discipline rooted in our enjoyment of God and what God has done. 
Now, when we think about scripture and verses that encourage or speak of celebration, there are probably a number of places we could go to study this idea of celebration. Uh, I've chosen the book of Leviticus. Now, I know some of you are going, kind of, wait, hold up, what, Leviticus? Really? What on earth are we doing into Leviticus? This is not the first book that comes to mind when we think of celebration. But actually, it should be. Now, there's a chapter in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23 in particular, that speaks all about celebration. It speaks all about an entire year or an annual cycle of celebration for God's people. Now, of course, it's important I put this into context, uh, the context of the book of Leviticus. You know, this book is rooted in the formative years of the nation of Israel. It's one of the books of Moses. It's before the people have even entered into the promised land. And this book is often seen as this kind of manual, a, a guidebook or maybe a rule book, especially for the priests, describing how the people of God are to live and to kind of move and to interact with one another. And so, yes, when we think of Leviticus, we think of all these rules throughout and maybe the reason we think that is because if I think of Leviticus 23 that speaks about celebration, it's in the middle of a whole group of chapters that all focus on rules for living. It begins way back in chapter 17 where there are these rules for sacrifices and food. There's the chapter 18 has these rules for sexual behavior. Uh, chapters 19 and 20 talk about rules for being neighbors and good neighbors as well as rules for those who commit crimes. There's rules for priests, rules for eating sacrifices, uh, rules for the tabernacle, rules around blasphemy, rules around the Sabbath and the Jubilee years, and, and then rules encouraging the obedience to the Lord all the way through to chapter 26. And right in the middle, in chapter 23, is the topic of celebration. The topic of festivals. And it kind of almost seems a little out of place. Why would God instruct the nation of Israel in celebration and in celebrating in the middle of all these rules? Well, let's have a look. I think God is teaching us something truly important, even in the book of Leviticus, for you and I today. Leviticus chapter 23 begins like this with verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest. An official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day and it must be observed wherever you live. Now most of us might associate Sabbath with the list of things that we're not allowed to do. I remember growing up as a child and how on the Sunday in particular, almost everything was closed on a Sunday. On more than one occasion, my father would remind me that he wasn't even allowed to practice the piano on Sunday because that would be work and that would be breaking the Sabbath law. Of course, when I think back to my childhood on the Sunday, 
Most often I can think of waking up late Sunday afternoon, realizing I needed something for school or a project the very next day. And of course, everything's closed. I couldn't get anything. And, and so the Sabbath was always this kind of rules of you will not do and you may not do and you're not allowed to do this. Now this, my friends, is a terrible distortion of the idea and the principle of Sabbath. The celebration that God institutes called Sabbath. You know, at its root, the Sabbath is all about a one day where it's supposed to be different from the rest. It's a day to stop and to enjoy. Enjoy the results of the works you've done. Enjoy the, the work you've, or take a break from the work you've done over the previous six days and enjoy how God has blessed that. Enjoy this incredible world that God has created and given to us. And more, or most importantly, it's to simply enjoy God. And now I refuse to get legalistic about the Sabbath or about Sunday particularly. Our world's context is very different to that of ancient Israel. Now, the way people work in shift work and for many who do work on a Sunday, I'm not going to jump onto a day. But I am going to push that principle that God instructs his people the principle of Sabbath. So regardless of what day it might be in your life, when was the last time you rested for a day and stopped what you ordinarily did in order to enjoy God? Now, I know I can hear the excuses piling up. I, I give the same excuses. I, I'm too busy. I've got too much to do. Or oh, I can't stop like that. That's what lazy people do. Or well, maybe I'll pause when I retire and I don't have as much on my plate. Or right now I've got too many responsibilities and so on and so forth. And then we wonder why life sometimes just feels so dry. Why it feels so spiritually dry. Or, or why there's this apparent lack of joy in our lives. Why it seems there's never enough time to stop and enjoy life. Why does God seem quiet or difficult to hear? Maybe it's because we've stopped listening to God's command. We've stopped obeying God's instruction to us to set it aside and enjoy life and enjoy God. We need to learn to take a day's break to celebrate and enjoy God's goodness. It's not about abstaining from things. Instead, it's about creating space. Creating space to enjoy life and to enjoy God. It's not about not practicing the piano or not experimenting in the kitchen. It's not about not trying your hand at artistic expression or, or not about not laboring in the garden and getting your hands dirty. No, Sabbath is not about doing nothing. It's about doing the most important thing imaginable, creating space for life. Sorry, creating space to enjoy life. And enjoy God. And it's in those spaces that God speaks. That God heals and that God is present to us. And perhaps this is why when we look at Leviticus 23. This whole chapter on festivals and celebrations. God begins with one day a week. To celebrate what he has done. When we read through the rest of Leviticus 23. And I'm not going to read the whole passage to you. But I want to or the whole chapter. I want to read a couple of verses. Starting in verse 4, in addition to the Sabbath, these are the Lord's appointed festivals. 
the official days for holy assembly that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year. The Lord's Passover begins at Sunday on the 14th day of the first month. On the next day, the 15th day, you must begin celebrating the festival of unleavened bread. The festival to the Lord continues for seven days. Further on, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instruction to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you bring that bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, you are to observe a day of complete rest. It will be an official day for holy assembly, a day commemorated with loud blasts of a trumpet. You must do no ordinary work on that day. Instead, you are to present your special gifts to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, be careful to celebrate the day of atonement on the 10th day of that same month, nine days after the festival of trumpets. And then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin celebrating the festival of shelters on the 15th day of the appointed month, five days after the day of atonement. This festival to the Lord will last for seven days. And then in verse 37, these are the Lord's appointed festivals. Celebrate them each year as official days for holy assembly by presenting special gifts to the Lord. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices and liquid offerings, each on its proper day. And these festivals must be observed in addition to the Lord's regular Sabbath days. And the offerings are in addition to your personal gifts. The offerings you give to fulfill your vows and the voluntary offerings you present to the Lord. And so we finish with verse 44. So Moses gave the Israelites these instructions regarding the annual festivals of the Lord. Now, of course, I'm not about to try and preach through every one of those festivals or try and describe and unpack and explain them. I mean, that would be interesting, but that's not the point right now of this passage. My point in this and my point in this passage is that God commands his people to celebrate. That's one of the key and defining features of his kingdom. The Israelites were commanded to keep on celebrating all year long in all kinds of ways with all different purposes and occasions. But at the same theme, stop what you're doing, step back and celebrate together. You know, I don't know if you noticed as I kind of read through that passage pretty quickly, uh, but most of those gifts, uh, most of those celebrations involved gift giving. Did you notice who the gifts were for? Every single time the gifts are brought to God. As part of the celebration, people are commanded, people are reminded to bring their gifts and present them to God for God's enjoyment. 
Now, of course, more generally, when you and I think of celebrations and we think of gifts being given, uh, gifts are the per- given to the person who is the center of attention. So whether it's a birthday gift or a wedding gift or whatever, it's to the person who's the center of attention. And so, if the gifts are for God, well then who is at the center of attention in the celebration? Well, of course, it's God. Now hold that thought because we'll we'll get into it in a moment. But one more thing to notice, celebrating is a command. God commands us to celebrate, to stop once a week and then at other appointed times through the years and through the seasons to celebrate. That's how important God thinks it is. And this is why we're ending our red letter challenge with celebration as we share testimony and in a few moments as we join around the communion table, as we celebrate what God has done in us and through us. And we want to acknowledge God's goodness because after all, who is it about? Well, it's about God. It's about what Jesus has done both for us and in us and ultimately through us. So who is at the center of the celebration Well, in our culture, typically it's us. We're the center of our own celebrations. But who should each celebration be about? Ultimately, it should be about God. Yes, even a graduation ceremony or a graduation celebration. We might kind of go, well, you know, I graduated. I was the one that did all the hard work. I was the one that put in the studies. Uh, Therefore, I need to be celebrated. Well, if we really stop and think about it, who gave us the ability to do that? Who blessed us with the mind? Who blessed us with the opportunity? Ultimately, God has given that to us. So even in celebrating something like a graduation or something like a birthday, ultimately, God should be the center. And it is God we give thanks to. It is God who we celebrate Our celebrations should have God at the center. When we celebrate ourselves, well, we simply celebrate our accomplishments and the focus gets distorted. And maybe this is why God, in his incredible wisdom, commands his people, celebrate frequently, celebrate often throughout the year to be reminded who is the source of life, who is the one that has given this to you, because ultimately it is God. And of course, if we're celebrating God, you and I know there will be times in our lives where we will go through deep waters and difficult circumstances and difficult situations that we're not really going to feel like we want to celebrate. We're not really going to feel like we want to take a Sabbath and rest. But even in those times, God commands his people, step back. Rest, rest in me, celebrate with me, bring gifts to me, and be reminded that I am ultimately in control. And so we celebrate God for his goodness, for what he has done for us. And we need to do that. We serve an awesome God. We serve a a God who has given himself to us to redeem us, to bring us and to give us life. We celebrate a God who's called us into relationship with him. So regardless of what I might be going through in the here and now, I am reminded that's temporary. 
I have eternity to celebrate and to spend in the presence of God. Why wouldn't I want to celebrate that? Why wouldn't I want to acknowledge that and worship God for that? We celebrate with enthusiasm and delight because of the goodness of God. This is why we will end with communion in just a few moments. It's a celebration commanded by Jesus to his disciples, to you and I, that we do it in remembrance, that we eat and drink in celebration for what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. You know, the the Passover feast was a reminder that God was with his people in the midst of their slavery and in the midst of their persecution in Egypt. And God came down and redeemed and freed his children and took them out of that situation, calling them out of Egypt to take them to their promised land. Do you see the spiritual picture of Jesus right there? At communion, we are reminded that God is in our midst, redeeming and saving us, calling us out and preparing us for the promised land of his presence for all eternity. Therefore, let us celebrate. And let us not give up or stop celebrating all that God has done for us, yes, in these last few weeks as we've gone through the Red Letter Challenge, but ultimately of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And who knows? Perhaps as we celebrate and as we feast, those around us will ask, why do you do this? And we might be able to point them back to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we might point them to him where they would find life. Let's pray together. My Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave us these gifts of celebration. That you invite us to stop Stop what we're doing at least once a week and to celebrate your goodness and your provision. Oh God, so many of us fall into that trap of of becoming workaholics or just doing and doing and doing. And then we wonder why our lives feel empty or, or feel spiritually dry and it kind of feels like you're distant from us when ultimately it's not you who's moved away, it's we who've drawn away. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us see how crucial celebrating is and celebrating you and what you've given to us. And in that celebration, to bring our gifts to you in thanksgiving and to worship you for your goodness. Even now, as we would celebrate around the communion table, oh God, would you be glorified. Would you be the center of our attention and indeed the center of our affection? As once again, we would be reminded of this incredible gift of grace that we have received through Jesus Christ. Jesus, may you be lifted up. And as we celebrate you, may the world see and hear and know that there is life and redemption in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for these last few weeks of being able to do the Red Letter Challenge together as a community. Let it not be forgotten or something just done in the past, but help us to walk daily by putting your words into practice, Jesus, by obeying your commands and discovering the incredible joy in life that comes through that. 
And ultimately, God, may you receive glory and may your kingdom come. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.